0: I don't know if you put a thank you note in the offering plate or a check or some cash or an acorn, but whatever you put in the offering plate is a token and a picture of what we all want to give to God as we worship Him. We want to give ourselves, we want to give our lives. We were made to worship Him and we offer ourselves to Him. This morning, I want to examine a Christian phrase with you that I have heard used throughout most of my life in church and amongst Christian friends. And it's the phrase, walk with Christ. Walk with Christ. And really, it's a summation of our lives in Jesus as we choose to follow him. But as I thought about those three simple words I realized how strange it must sound to people when we tell them that they need to walk with Christ. Just think about that from the outside looking in to the Christian faith. How do we walk with Christ? What are we talking about? Christ Jesus is not physically present with us on this earth. I mean, It's not like I can hold his hand and take a stroll down the sidewalk through the neighborhood. That phrase isn't about a literal walk with Jesus. It's about a spiritual life in Jesus. The word walk that is used throughout the New Testament, especially by the Apostle Paul in his letters, like Ephesians, is a word that means lifestyle. It might be best understood like we use the word in this common expression, from all walks of life. You've heard that term before, that phrase before, right? Even though we're not talking about a person's actual gait as they move or the posture of their shoulders, we are using the word walk to metaphorically describe how they live, where they're from, where they move, how they go, and what they do. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 that you studied in your Sunday school lesson this morning, Paul gave Christians an exhortation about their spiritual walk with Christ. In that verse, he said, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Some translations don't use the word walk, they use the word live. I implore you to live in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. The first half of the book of Ephesians is about a person's identity in Christ. That is who we are in Jesus. The second half of Ephesians is about a person's walk with Christ. How you live, what you do as a disciple of Jesus. So today in in the two weeks afterwards, I want to talk with you about some of the principles that Paul pointed out to the Ephesian believers in regards to their walks with Christ. And I encourage you to put these same principles into practice as you walk with Jesus. Paul encouraged those believers to walk in love, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. He encouraged them to walk in light, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. He encouraged them to walk in wisdom, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And he encouraged them to walk in humility, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, and chapter 5, verse 21. If you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to ask you to go to 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 as we look at one of these concepts from Ephesians walk in light walk in light 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 listen and follow along with me as i read these verses aloud 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that god is light And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. In the verses we just read, we learn that we walk with Christ by walking in light. And like the metaphorical manner the Bible uses the word walk, so the Bible also uses the word light. When we talk about walking in light, we're not just talking about stepping into the physical presence of illumination. We're talking about spiritually walking in light. So think with me, if you will, about literal light so that we can get a better grasp and handle on the way the Bible uses the analogy. What is light? The scientific definition goes something like this. Light is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Light enables you and I to see. Where does light come from? Light on earth comes from the sun. Light from a fire is brought about by friction, oxygen, and some type of fuel. Light in our homes is produced by electrical currents circulating through some type of incandescent halogen or LED bulb. But spiritually speaking, what is light? It is God's action of illuminating and exposing so that we can clearly see the truth. The source of physical light is ultimately God. The Bible teaches us that very clearly in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, on the first of the seven days of creation, God made light. The source of any light at all is actually God Himself. And so if you want to walk with Christ, if you want to have life in Jesus, you must walk in the light. Physical light helps us see where we are going. Spiritual light helps us see what direction our lives are headed. In 1 John 1, verses 5-7, through walking in light is achieved by following the light. So look with me at how we follow the light in order to keep walking with Christ. In verse 5, we discover this principle. We walk in light by following the glory of God. We walk in light by following the glory of God. The Apostle John said, this is the message that we have heard from Jesus and that we announce to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. This week, you know, the temperatures kind of cooled off outside and we had a little bonfire uh, behind our house, just some leftover uh, firewood that's been there for who knows how long and some sticks that had fallen out of our pecan tree over the last year. And while we sat around there in the, in the fire, the sun began to go down. And so darkness began to ensue all around and we saw the glow from the fire. Well, Mordecai decided he wanted to make some shadow puppets. So he went inside and got a flashlight And he came out and he turned the flashlight on and our next door neighbors were there with us. And Drew Meyer was making all kinds of crazy shadow puppets with his hands. He's pretty talented with that kind of thing. And it was projecting on a big brick wall um, behind, behind our house. And so when you think about light shining and shining on an object, it produces a shadow most of the time, right? I mean, even here, as I stand on the stage, underneath these lights, I hold my hand up in the air, and I can see a shadow of my hand being produced on this pulpit. When it comes to God, He is so radiant and brilliant and glorious that there is no darkness, there is no shadow at all, whatsoever. It's not just that a light shines on God to illuminate how great He is. It's that He Himself produces this light. Stop and think about that for a moment. Light is what enables us to see. But have you ever encountered light so bright that it blinded you? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you were a little kid and your mom kept telling you, stop staring in the sunlight. But you were so intrigued. This sun is so bright. If I keep looking at it, I see spots. The light was blinding you. Sunlight enables us to see, but if we stare directly into it, it's so bright. Our eyes can't handle it. <laughs> Mordecai and Branch both like to take that flashlight and not just make shadow puppets, but they like to shine it right in, your, right in their eyes. And they'll shine it in your eyes, too. They're happy to do so. That was why we took the flashlight away from Mordecai that night. But when you stare directly into that light, you start seeing spots. There is no possible way that we could physically see the glory of God. It would blind us. Light enables us to see, but God's glory is so brilliant that there's no way we would be able to see the fullness of His glory and still be able to see, much less even live. In fact, there's a couple of stories, one in the Old Testament and one in the New, that talk about God's glory in such a way. The first is with the man Moses. Moses was the leader of God's people, the Israelites, and after God had raised up Moses to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt, they were marching through the wilderness. And Moses led the people to a mountain where God's presence rested on the mountain and Moses ascended the mountain to meet with God so that God could give his people his word, his law, his instructions, the Ten Commandments. And while Moses was on that mountain, he asked God a request. He said, God, I, I would that I would see your glory. And God responded to Moses, Moses no man can see me and live but Moses I, I know you want to see my glory I, I'll reward this request as best that I can Moses I want you to stay in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to shelter you and I'm going to pass by in all of my fullness and all of my glory and then I will remove this shelter and protection and you'll be able to see The hind parts as I go past. In other words, the dust from God's footprint, so to speak, as he's moving over the mountain. And when Moses caught just a glimpse of God's glory there from the mountain, he was never the same. In fact, when he came down from the mountain to give the people God's word, they were absolutely terrified of Moses because Moses' face was literally glowing with God's glory. And he had to cover his face with the veil because he was so bright that people didn't even want to look at him. In the New Testament, we read about a man named Saul, or Paul as he comes to be known, who was a great persecutor of the church. He thought he was doing right because he thought that Jesus was some crazy lunatic that was leading God's people astray. But one day while he had Letters in his hand to go arrest these Christians in the city of Damascus. Jesus Christ appeared to Saul on the road. And in great glory and brilliance and radiance, Saul was blinded by this light. It was Jesus displaying himself to Saul. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? After that encounter, Saul realized that Jesus was not the obstacle to the truth. Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And even though he was physically blinded by Jesus' glory, that day, spiritually, he received his sight. And later on, this apostle Paul would go on talking about being a light to the Gentiles And in fact, he would even refer to that story of Moses' glowing presence in the Old Testament and tell Christians that in the same way they were reflecting God's glory to the world, but not with a veiled face like Moses had, but with an unveiled face. You see, Moses, when he came down from the mountain, that glow that was on his face began to fade and to wane over time. Kind of like when you ladies go to the beauty shop and you get your Hair highlighted and done, and it fades out over time. This is how Moses' face shone. It was brilliant at first and continued to glow, but it faded over time. Paul said as Christians, the glory that we show in our Christian lives doesn't fade, it grows. That is, the more we walk with Jesus and the more closely we follow the Lord God, the more we reflect His glory and the more we radiate his light. We walk in the light by following the glory of God. He is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And as we follow the glory of God, his light begins to shine into our lives and it begins to develop our character. You see, because you can't walk with God without becoming like God. Peter would say it this way, like the Holy One who has called you, you also be holy in all of your conduct. For God himself has said, you shall be holy for I am holy. We walk in the light by following the glory of God. We reflect his brilliance and his radiance to the world around us. There's another object in the sky that produces light. We saw it that night out at the fire at our house and you can see it at night, too. It's the moon. In the Bible, the the moon is called the lesser light. The greater light is the sun. It rules the day. The lesser light's the moon. It, It rules the night. But as scientists have observed over the years, the moon does not produce its own light like the sun does. Did you know that? You did, didn't you? You paid attention in eighth grade science class. The moon actually reflects the light of the sun that is cast upon it, and it shines down to the earth. God is the one who produces light, who is himself glory. We are reflectors of his glory, and as we follow the glory of God, his glory displays itself to the world around us. When we walk with God, the darkness fades and the light grows. Walk in light by following the glory of God. And then in verse 6, we realize this principle. We walk in light by following the trail of truth. We follow the trail of truth. Verse 6 says, if we say that we have fellowship with Jesus, and yet walk in darkness, we, we lie and we don't practice the truth. We follow the trail of truth... That is God's word itself. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus prayed this prayer over his disciples. He said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The trail of truth is not simply what we say, it's what God says. That is, as Christians, we don't produce truth. We believe it and we proclaim it. We don't make up truth. We live by God's standard of truth. The Christian life is not just about singing praise to Jesus with our lips. It's about showing worship to Jesus in the way that we live our lives. In other words, we don't just talk about how we've received salvation but our lives testify to God's saving grace that has transformed us. As we follow the trail of truth, God's truth begins to transform, to mold, and to shape who we are. I thought about it kind of like this. God's word is, is truth, and in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 it says that the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to divide between joints and marrow. Even the thoughts and intents of the heart, it's able to discern. It's almost like when God shines His truth into our lives, He exposes and illuminates the falsehood that's there. In other words, when we pick up God's Word and read it, or when we listen to God's Word preached, or when we study God's Word in class, He exposes things that ought not be there, because those are things He doesn't want in our lives. Sins that we've committed, lies that we've told, lies that we've believed. And so, as we walk in the light, we can't just say, yeah, I know Jesus, yeah, I'm following Jesus, we have to continue stepping into the truth. And as we follow that trail of truth, God changes the directions and course of our lives. He helps us see sins that we need to avoid. He helps us not be overcome by temptations that once we struggled with. When we walk in the light, we follow the trail of God's truth. And His truth produces fellowship with Him. His truth produces fellowship with Him. That is, we don't just walk in God's truth to to say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm doing everything right. We walk in God's truth so that we have fellowship with Him, relationship with Him. We walk in the light by following the glory of God. We walk in the light by following the trail of truth and we also walk in the light by following the fellowship of the family. Look in verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Our fellowship isn't just with God, but it's with the people of God. Don't you guys love when either there's a, a, a big storm in the summertime and it knocks a power line down and electricity goes out for the night? Or when we have one of those ice storms and the tree branches fall off the trees and they knock the power lines down. And for just a brief period of time, you can't watch TV, you can't charge your cell phone. And so all of these objects that call for and demand our attention are taken away from us. And if you're like us, you've got 17 flashlights in the house, but only one of them works because that's the only one that has good batteries. And so you get that one flashlight that works, and you set it up. We put it in our den so that we can see, and we sit on the couches. And we spend time talking with each other and fellowship with each other, playing games, singing songs, just hanging out and enjoying life together as a family there in that room. But if you leave that room, you don't have light. You still walk around and get through the house, stumble into the bathroom. We'll let you take the flashlight to the bathroom at that point, right? But when you leave the fellowship of the family in that room where the light is, you're on your own walking in darkness. This is the beautiful thing about walking in light as a Christian. You're not on your own. Because when we come together like this to worship God, or when we get together and we serve Him on a mission trip, or at Fields of Faith on a Wednesday night, or when we come together and outreach to our community as the light of the world, uh, an event like Sunday without walls, God's glory is shining through each one of us and all of us as a group. Did you know that when several lights come together, it creates one great, bright, shining light? Walk in light by following the fellowship of the family. If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship not just with our Father in heaven and not just with His Son Jesus, but with each other. We follow the fellowship of the family. In fact, I would dare say this the times that you are struggling with sin in your personal life as a Christian, Are the times that you're not around other Christian believers who can help challenge you and encourage you and exhort you? It's just the truth. Think back to times that you've been walking in darkness as a Christian instead of following Jesus, the light of the world. You haven't been connected with your brothers and sisters in Christ, following Him together as one family. Walk in the light by following the fellowship of the family. And then finally, we walk in light by following the cleansing of Christ. We walk in light by following the cleansing of Christ. The end of verse 7 says, And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. There's another way that we use the word light just in common expression, common daily conversation will say something like well that was brought to light, what do we mean? Something was exposed or revealed or made known. The truth of the matter is this, Jesus is the light of the world and his light is so bright it shines into the darkness, the darkness can't comprehend it, number one. But number two, Jesus can see it all. Everything. There's nothing hidden from his sight. There is no darkness so dark that Jesus' light cannot penetrate and shine through to enable him to see what's really going on. And so it's not that when we live in sin, we're actually hiding our sin from God. It's that we're deceiving ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. We're tricking ourselves into thinking, if I don't confess this sin, then I can get away with it. God won't know and everything will be fine. But the truth of the matter is this. God already knows what we've done or what we've said or how we've lied or even how we're deceiving ourselves. And if we would walk with Christ when His light shines into our lives and He exposes something that ought not be there, the really the only Choice that we should make is to confess that sin to Him. At the end of the day, what do you think is going to happen? God's going to be shocked or scared at what He finds? He's not. He already knows. I mean, at the end of the day, do you think God's going to say, Well, I I don't know, I can't forgive you of that? No, He's not going to say that. Jesus has already died for whatever sin you've committed. Jesus isn't scared of the light. Truth is, we sometimes are. Remember when you were little, and all of you experienced this at some point, you're trying to lay in bed, man, you're, you're trying to go to sleep in your room, and you couldn't because that weird noise was coming from outside your window, and it may have been Tree branch scraping the roof of the house it might have been a possum that made its way up on the roof and was walking around over your bed but you were scared of the dark it, it was, there was something there that you couldn't see and it was causing you anxiousness and causing you to be frightened what did your mom what did your dad do when they came in the room and tried to talk to you so that you didn't have to sleep in their bed what would they do what did they do Turn on the light. Why? So you could see that it was nothing. The fact of the matter is this. Our sin is, is something. Sin is not insignificant. Sin is serious. God takes sin seriously. This is why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. But really, here's where we mess up in the Christian life. It's not that we're scared of the dark. It's that a lot of times we're we're comfortable in the dark. That's where we've come out of. Those are the things we're familiar with. What we're scared of is the light. We don't want people to know what we've done. We don't want to have to stand before God in shame and admit our failures and our faults. But the truth is this. If God is not scared of the darkness of our sin, we shouldn't be scared of the light of His forgiveness. When we walk in light by following the cleansing of Christ, He washes us. He makes us new. In fact, 1 John 1, verse 9 goes on to say this, If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In fact, that's a beautiful picture of redemption, isn't it? God's glory reflected in the way that He transforms us, in the way that He forgives us, in the way that He saves us and redeems us. At the end of it all in Revelation, we're told that believers will be gathered around the throne of God, worshiping Him and praising Him, dressed in robes of white. Why white? because it reflects God's glory. It displays light most brilliantly. You guys remember when you saw your bride on the wedding day coming down the aisle and that brilliant, beautiful, clean, pristine white dress and she shone with with brilliance and radiance and everybody's attention was fixed on her. The church is the bride of Christ. We are the people of God. And when we confess our sins, God does a work in our lives to forgive us and to transform us and make us new and make us clean and make us righteous. And when people look at us, they go, wow, look at what God has done. Look at what God can do. Could he do that for me? And the answer is yes, he can. And yes, he will every time he's faithful and righteous to forgive sins. And to cleanse from all unrighteousness. Walk in light by following the cleansing of Christ. So let me ask you this question How is your walk with Christ? Are you walking in light? Will you choose to follow God's glory as He develops your character? Will you follow the trail of truth so that you are a person of integrity? Will you follow the fellowship of the family and help others around you walk with Jesus and allow them to help you walk with Jesus? Will you follow the cleansing of Christ and confess your faults and failures to Him so that He can forgive you and set you free? Are you even in the light to begin with? If you just answered that question honestly, would you say, I know Jesus and I've come to the light? If you haven't, would you let Jesus open the eyes of your heart today to see that you're a sinner who needs His forgiveness, but also to see that He's the Savior who can and will forgive you? During this time of response, I encourage you to come up here, to walk up here, to speak with me if you want to come to know the light of the world, God's Son, Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world, and He wants you to walk with Him in light. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? As this song is played, I just ask you and encourage you to respond to God as He spoke in your heart this morning. I'll be standing down here in the front if you need to speak with me, or if you'd like to pray with me, I'd love to do so. Maybe you just need to come and kneel down at the steps of this altar and talk to the Lord and allow Him to speak to you. As God calls you this morning, will you come to